morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike and it is February the 8th, I believe. I'm going to give you a morning uh, edition today. A little less sleepy, hopefully. <laughs> I, uh, my car seems sleepy, though. Yeah, I, I, I've been uh, posting some of the backlog of uh, uh, podcasts that I'd recorded but had not posted and in listening to them and trying to remember the subjects and things like that I realized that man my voice is really sleepy in the evening uh, when I'm driving home after work so I'm gonna give you another morning edition this morning and hopefully it'll be a bit more lively uh, but I'm running just a little bit late uh, which is pretty normal for me I uh, I'm not a person who adheres well to uh, schedules. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not sure what that says about me, but yeah, I'm, I, I am a, I am a right on time, which makes me a sometimes late person. Uh, and uh, yeah, I really. In the mornings, I, I like to have a little bit of, I like to do something that's meaningful, so I listened to some podcasts this morning of, uh, by Jason, uh, Justin Brierly, uh, who does a, uh, and I'm kind of drawing a blank on the name of his podcast, but it's a, an apologetics podcast where he brings on uh, usually two, two people who are on the opposite sides of a subject um, often between a believer and a non-believer uh, a theist and an atheist but sometimes between uh, two theists who are just on the opposite side of a theological issue um, I'm not sure he's ever had on two atheists but it's very possible um, it's called oh yeah I remember it's called unbelievable the reason I remember now is because the uh, yeah, the song, uh, You're Unbelievable, is his uh, theme song. And so, yeah, it's called Unbelievable. And Justin himself uh, is a believer, but he's been doing this podcast for years. He's got a new book coming out about, about the podcast and his experience over 10 years of the podcast. It should be good. I, I suppose it'll be called Unbelievable. It's his first book be great to uh, get a copy of that and read more about his experiences. I enjoy the, the uh, his episodes on there. Many of them are really, really above me. Uh, and then he, he has uh, often scientists and biologists and, and uh, people who do apologetics 24-7 so to speak, from a scientific point of view, and that's, that's pretty, pretty uh, uh, techy stuff. Um, uh, techy's not the right word, but anyway, it's uh, lots of big words, let's just say that, and often <laughs> the big words fail me. I'm recording this podcast. Uh, 
yeah but anyway so I spent my morning doing that and so by the time I decided to get ready and actually get myself to my classes I usually don't leave myself a whole lot of time to get ready but I really like to use that morning time um, when I have it because I find that my mind works much more clearly in the morning uh, and so anything that I read or listen to in the morning seems to sink in a little bit better, I suppose. Um, anyway, big news for us is that we have a new dog and we've had him for about uh, a month now. We, uh, after uh, the passing of a close family member, uh, we decided that uh, my wife's father, who's now living with us, uh, needed a little bit of uh, companionship and uh, so we went out and found a puppy. Now we were looking for a rescue, rescue dog initially and, and uh, we looked for a month or two and just could not uh, decide as a family on which dog or what kind of dog and, and really nothing came up that, that we were just enthralled about. But over uh, New Year's, uh, it's kind of a New Year's tradition in Japan to go shopping on the on New Year's Day or the first day after New Year's, uh, as opposed to Black Friday. Uh, they have, I suppose, Black January second. And the reason for that is is that traditionally children receive New Year's money from relatives on New Year's Day, and so the next day they go out and spend some of that. One of the bigger shopping days. Uh, for the year in Japan, probably the biggest, but I'm not sure about that. Anyway, so we went out and, uh, you know, uh, participated in that tradition as we usually do, because I've got three girls and, and girls like to shop, let's just say that. Um, I'm sure not all girls like to shop, just like not all boys like to play sports. Uh, majority of boys like to play sports and the majority of girls probably like to shop. Uh, I'm not a big shopper but hey I'm a dad and that's what we do. Anyway so we were out shopping and uh, uh, my 17 year old and I were together and then my, my wife was together with our youngest who's 14. They were out shopping somewhere else in the mall and, and uh, we decided to go check out a pet store because we'd been looking at going by pet stores and looking at dogs and, and by this time the whole family's really wanting a dog and we go into this large pet shop probably one of the bigger ones that we've been to recently and uh, as soon as we walk in right on the left in the first uh, cage there is this little yellow lab and he just just seems adorable I mean he's He's a little older, a little bigger than the other dogs. He's he's been looked over, or overlooked, if you will. Uh, and uh, of course, he's discounted by this time because he's already four months old, and most people want a two-month-old or even a few weeks less. So he's discounted a little bit, but man, he's just a beautiful puppy. And and so we go and we look at him, and and the. Uh, the guy working there sees that we're interested and so he goes back and takes the puppy out and brings him to us and he just loves on us and, and we you know we just hit it off right off the bat and uh, now he kind of fit 
the image of the dog that I was looking for. I wasn't looking for a lab. I've never had a lab and never really been impressed with labs all that much. But this dog, just there was a connection there uh, with me. And it, it doesn't happen with all dogs necessarily. But anyway, this, this pup was cute. And of course he was bigger and he's a little bit bigger dog than we wanted. Uh, but for a family dog, it's kind of hard to beat a lab. We, we've, we've been partial to uh, Shelties. The last two dogs we've had were Shelties. Um, our second Sheltie died last year after living for about 14 years. And so we're kind of looking for Shelties, but really there were nothing was popping up. And the, the price of dogs here in Japan can just about you know, set you back a month's salary, uh, depending on the kind of dog. I mean, they're, they're expensive here, and uh, maintenance is, is not much better for a dog here in Japan. Um, but this, this dog was, like I said, there was a connection there with me at least, and my, my daughters. Uh, and me and my, my seven-year-old, we just fell in love with it right away. And so, we, we went and, uh, or actually we called uh, my wife and other daughter over and they came over and my wife was not too impressed because the dog's a little too big and she doesn't really like male dogs too much. Um, but my youngest daughter also liked the dog. He loved on all of us and we just really enjoyed it. So. We didn't get the dog that day. We thought we thought about it. You know, we think about it a little bit. So we went home. Now, I believe that was February. That was uh, January first, actual New Year's Day, I think. Went back and we, you know, kept thinking about it and talking about it and uh, talked to Grandpa. And Grandpa really wanted a Sheltie, but but you know, he could see that we were all excited about it and. My wife still wasn't that excited about it. So anyway, we decided, well, what the heck, we'll go get it. Well, we all got dressed, all got in the car. And uh, my wife started having second thoughts again. And so we started driving, but we turned the car around and came back home. The problem is this pet shop is, is a good hour and a half away. And in New Year's traffic, it could be a lot more than that. We got in the car, I want to say, somewhere around 2.30 or 3 o'clock, and we ended up coming back because, you know, nobody had really thought through, including myself, what about, you know, how are we going to feed it? Do we have a leash? Where are we going to put it? Who's going to take care of it? Who's going to walk it? You know, all of the, all of the details, which is not really my forte of, of taking care of the dog, uh, nobody had really thought through. And my wife is much more... Uh, attuned to those needs being a, a caregiver herself and so she thought well we're not ready so she you know we turned the car around we came home we had a family meeting talked through all those things and finally my wife satisfied we jumped in the car called it pet shop to make sure the dog was still there jumped in the car and went down and and got him and uh, we named him Jack it's a little yellow lab but he's almost white he's a very light colored yellow lab uh, he's 
five months old now. We've had him just over a month. Uh, and he's brought a lot of uh, change to our house, let's just say that. <laughs> if you've had a puppy, you know what I mean. But, you know, puppies, unlike cats, are not really all that self-sufficient. Uh, and they're super curious and a little bit destructive. Uh, and they eat everything. And they have zero manners on everything. <laughs> they, they poop and pee where they want, uh, and uh, so yeah, we've been we've been engaged as a family in the training of this pup, Jack, and uh, you know it's been real interesting. It's it's not something I've experienced in a long time. Uh, I'd say about 15 years when we we had uh, Jesse, a little Sheltie pup who was also a, a bit older. I think she was five or six months old when we got her. So kind of in that respect, both of these dogs were sort of rescue dogs and that they were unwanted. They were not selling the pet shops and we, you know, we, we picked them up a little older than you wanted a puppy, um, which makes training a little bit more difficult, but both breeds are quite intelligent breeds. Uh, in fact, I think, uh, I want to say labs are number seven and, uh, Shelties are about number six, so they're they're real similar in that respect. Different temperament, a little bit different type of working dog. Both are working dogs. Um, but anyway, so we've been involved in the training of this dog, potty training, you know, exercising, uh, and just loving on this dog. And man, he is just lovable. He is he is just sweet. But he's really changed the dynamic of our family. Uh, now we have a, a baby in the house who, you know, gets up and has to go to the bathroom, who whines until we get him, and it's, it's sort of like having a baby again in a sense, uh, and it's just been real interesting. Uh, they can really try your patience, dogs, uh, but they bring a dynamic into the house that is both frustrating and uh, joyous at the same time. You know, dogs are the whole package. Um, uh, they're fun uh, and they're difficult at the same time. And so anyway, we have this dynamic back uh, in our house. It's kind of rekindled in me a lot of feelings uh, that I've had for dogs or dogs that I had when I was a kid. And, and uh, you know, it makes me start missing them and wondering, you know, trying to remember just what kind of relationship I had with animals when I was a kid and, and uh, you know the the relationship between humans and animals is an interesting one uh, animals of course were created ahead of humans but when God created humans the the Bible tells us that that one of our jobs in the earth is to subdue the earth and its inhabitants, uh, meaning meaning the animals, and to maybe misquoting, I need to reread Genesis, but at any rate, um, uh, Adam is asked to name all of the animals, and that's one of his jobs as the first man, uh, is to care for the garden and to name the animals. Uh, and as far as we know, in the first 
two chapters of Genesis, there is no antagonism between man and animal, or even animal and animal. We have no, uh, no record that any killing goes on of any kind. That animals eat other animals, and that man eats animals. Uh, we do have a record of what man eats, and that seems to be fruit. That seems to be the you know, the, the first idea of man's diet, the, the, uh, the first menu given to man is fruit, not meat. Um, and in that context, in a non-antagonistic context, I think the closest we get to that relationship today uh, or in this fallen world is, is the relationship between man and dog, possibly man and horse, or man and cat. But those three types of animals uh, seem to be uh, the, the animals that are closest to man, or at least that get along with man the best, The man gets along with the best. In fact, we call, you know, dog man's best friend. And out of the animals, I think you can make a good, a good case for that. But the other day, I had my dog at the beach, and, and you know, a dog on a leash is a beautiful thing. But a dog off the leash, who has the space to roam and to explore his territory, is, is a much more beautiful thing. I love to see my dog off the leash, uh, running freely. Uh, you know, and he kind of bounds when he runs. He kind of leaps and runs at the same time and, and it's just a beautiful thing to watch but today there are there are seemingly at least two kinds of people when it comes to animals in the world uh, animal lovers and, and animal animal uh, fearers I guess is the right word there are people that are who love animals that are pe people who are very afraid of animals and everything in between I suppose depending on the types of animals. Some people are very dog-phobic. And as a new puppy owner, uh, I tend to have bad feelings towards people who are afraid of dogs. I, I just don't get it. It's like, you know, my dog is great. How could you not like my dog? And I don't uh, have a lot of patience, which is a bad thing. For people who don't like animals, uh, or who you know judge my animal before they've ever met it. Now, of course, that's unfair of me. I don't know people's history with animals, and and, and my dog can seem pretty aggressive. You know, as a puppy, he doesn't quite have the uh, control over his emotions uh, that an older better trained dog might have so I was at the beach and I was at a kind of a place where I thought I could contain the dog and so I let him off leash and there weren't a lot of people around it was around 8 8 o'clock or 8 30 in the morning there weren't a lot of people around I really thought uh, that he'd be fine and, and the beach near my house actually is a, is a uh, it's limited in the size so uh, in other words there's a, there's a cliff that cuts the beach off and so you know, 
in front of you, the dog can't go anywhere except the water. And behind you, he can, he can slip by, but it's a fairly narrow, narrow passage. So I was trying to keep him contained in that area. And sure enough, I got careless and he got out and just sprinted toward uh, this this old man and the old man flipped out. Now my dog's just, you know, he's kind of aggressive with his love and he just wanted to meet another, he loves people and just wanted to say hello and, and you know, play. And But the, the guy is totally misreading the dog's intentions and thinks the dog's attacking him. So this old man is jumping and trying to kick at the dog and, and just flipping out and I'm running over there because you know, the dog's way faster than I am at this point, so I get there late. And of course, this whole situation is my fault, but all I can say is, he's just a puppy. He, he, he just wants to play, you know, don't, don't overreact. And the guy's like, well, how am I supposed to know if he's, you know, I don't know if he's trying to bite me, or I, how am I supposed to know? You know, he's got to go. Okay, be that as it may, I should not have let the dog off the leash, or I should have at least controlled the environment better. But... I didn't notice that there's a big divide today between the animal kingdom and and the humans. There, there's a there's there's an antagonism there that exists uh, very strongly in some people and less in other people. But I think it's there with everybody. We understand that animals uh, in general uh, are dangerous and that we can be harmed by them. I think animals probably see it the total opposite way. Um, that it's humans who are the harmers and man they, they probably have a great case for that not, not that they think that I don't think they have the cognitive skills well we had some technical difficulty I'm going to turn the car off uh, and uh, I only recorded half of what I've talked about before so I'm going to try to pick it up where I where I left off, and uh, it's about two and a half hours later, and so, uh, man, I really thought I was doing one of my better talks, and then realized only half of it recorded, and I have no idea what happened, but we had some kind of a, a glitch, and so I'm going to try to pick it up. Uh, instead of driving, we are now parked. Uh, it's my lunch hour. I've just had a little bit of lunch, and I've got uh, actually a two and a half hour lunch on Wednesdays, and so we're going to do a little parking theology for you, but I'm going to try to uh, pick up where I left off. So, uh, of course, animals don't have the cognitive idea to to think that you know we are we are worse than they are. That we are more antagonistic to them than than they are to us. Uh, but if they did, I think I think they they would have a great case. I think you could say that man has been worse for animal than animal for man. Uh, but in any case, there is an antagonism. There is a uh, we're sort of uh, uh, mortal enemies uh, with nature, it seems, that man is constantly fighting uh, the natural forces uh, to maintain his existence or, or, or uh, his way of life. And there is a divide between the natural and the human uh, for whatever reason, even though uh, we are connected to nature and we are part of nature. Uh, there does seem to be uh, a battle that goes on. Uh, we are constantly trying to, as humans, uh, shape our environment uh, to give us either what we need or, or probably more often what we want. 
and there uh, is a lot of collateral damage in that process, uh, whether it's the the earth uh, through cutting or digging uh, or burning, uh, or whether it's uh, animals through through our uh, need for uh, their flesh or their skin, uh, and in some cases, uh, different parts of their body for medicinal purposes. Uh, we 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 tend to destroy nature. It's almost like it's man's nature to destroy nature. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about the divide between man and his environment, uh, his natural environment, and, and why uh, we seem to be at war uh, with our world. And as I said before, this thought came up because I'm a, I'm a, a new puppy owner, uh, and I've just noticed that there seems to be two kinds of people. Uh, but all humans, to some extent, uh, are antagonistic toward nature. Uh, I don't think there is any human on the planet that I know of that would trust every single type of animal uh, with their life. Uh, not, not many would knowingly uh, put their head into the mouth of a crocodile or uh, would uh, jump into the ocean with a shark um, with a cut or uh, entrust it not to attack. Uh, now they may they may try to get by with those things uh, just for the thrill of it. There are those types of people but by and large they understand that, that nature uh, is dangerous. So why is it that nature is dangerous? And if we go back to uh, the story of Adam and Eve, whether you take it literally or not, I think uh, if you are a uh, believer, if you are a Christian uh, or even a religious Jew, you know that there are lessons that we can learn uh, from Adam and Eve, whether you take it as a, a fable or a myth uh, or as a, a, a historical uh, historical um, events. Uh, so man is is uh, given the job uh, to to help God with the garden and with the animals, and he's asked to to name the animals. And there there is no, uh, as far as I can remember, up until we meet the serpent. There is not, no negative, uh, nothing negative about the relationship between man and animals. Uh, and there's no recording of animals eating animals or killing other animals or, or harming people. Uh, there's nothing but, as far as we know, harmony. Of course, not a lot's recorded there, but there, we can say there is nothing negative recorded up to that point. And I think we'd say uh, that aside from I think at least, aside from the story of the serpent, uh, there are only uh, a few references to animals dying up until the flood, which I believe begins around Genesis chapter, I want to say 8. It might be 11. Uh, there aren't really any uh, stories of animals dying and no instances that we know of for sure, nothing completely explicit. Uh, that says that people ate human flesh until after uh, the flood. Uh, and that seems to be 
to have been uh, a time where God actually gives Noah permission. Okay, now you can eat animals. And, you know, there, there are a lot of interpretations to why that's recorded that way in the Bible and, and exactly what that means. Um, but let's just say that it doesn't seem like man was created to have a bad relationship with with animals that we were created to to live in some kind of a uh symbiotic relationship uh and um today what it's become is uh basically we have enslaved a certain portion uh of the animal kingdom and the rest we kind of view for pleasure uh, usually not up close. Um, and there are people in the world who see that as a problem, who see the way that animals are treated as a problem, and they, and they may, may become uh, uh, vegetarians. They may stop eating meat from because of moral, uh, moral reasons. They may uh, believe in conservation. They may believe that animals should have free range, that animals should not be owned. Uh, that animals should allow to be natural uh, in their natural habitat, that they should not be killed, that they should not be uh, enslaved, uh, have you. Um, and, and those people are generally written off as liberal. And even if they don't, I think, even if they don't believe in the Christian worldview uh, or a religious worldview at all, I think they may actually be bringing just a bit of the kingdom uh, into their life, that they have uh, an accidentally uh, kingdom-focused, at least partially kingdom-focused worldview, uh, in that they believe in the reconciliation of man and nature, and, and God and man and nature. Uh, you see, the, the the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, uh, that is the gospel that Jesus preached, John the Baptist preached, Paul preached, uh, is really different than this this uh, gospel of salvation that is preached today in most evangelical circles. The gospel of salvation says that Jesus came on the earth to save mankind. End of story. Uh, and so the goal of people who believe in that gospel is to get to heaven uh, by hook or by crook. <laughs> uh, that that becomes their eschatology. Uh, their, uh, what they believe is going to happen in the end. Uh, whereas people who believe in a gospel of the kingdom which I believe is the truer gospel, uh, believes that, yes, salvation is part of what uh, God is doing. It's part of the gospel. But it's the salvation of the entire creation back to God. It's the reconciliation of the world to God. Uh, the fixing of that relationship. Uh, and that relationship between God and the world uh, was severed, uh, or at least uh, it, the, relation, the, the relationship became distant 
at the fall when when sin entered the world uh and that's when uh <laughs> all hell broke loose uh pardon the french um and so yeah this relationship between man and animal i i now am starting to see it as part of kingdom work that's not all of it uh, i i do believe that that humans uh are supreme in creation to the rest of creation, but that does not mean that the rest of creation is not also loved by God. In fact, you know, in, in Genesis, the, the very first verses of the entire Bible, presumably the oldest uh, words of the Bible ever written are all about God creating and how good he thought it was. God created the world and he said it was good. Uh, so whatever happened doesn't mean that God's opinion of his world has changed. It just means that the world has gone away from him. And the gospel is all about him bringing the world back to himself. Uh, and really what that means is, is, is God coming back to the world in the person of Jesus to reconcile it back to himself. And so the gospel of the kingdom says that we have been given the, given the honored position of partners with God in the mission of reconciling the earth back to him. And that includes everything. It includes the mountains and the rivers and the oceans. Uh, it includes the beasts and the bugs and the fish. Uh, it includes all humans. Uh, I suppose it includes the sky and, and uh, you know, all the elements and from the smallest to the greatest of creation, uh, which means the, the tiniest particle uh, to the largest galaxy, uh, the whole universe, if you will, uh, has need of reconciliation. And indeed, that is, that is our... Uh, Father in Heaven's mission, reconciling the earth back to Him, uh, bringing heaven to earth, if you will, um, uh, making God's will sovereign on earth as it is in heaven. That's the gospel. That's the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, and it's quite a different gospel than I'm bad, Jesus saved me so he could take me to heaven and live there forever. And therefore I'm leaving this earth and and really to hell with the earth again because because the earth is uh, going to be destroyed. God is going to destroy the earth and everything on it will be burned up in an unquenchable fire. But the ones who believe in Jesus will be spirited away uh, to heaven to live there with God and the angels uh, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit forever and ever, never to see the earth again. Sound familiar? Well, that's pretty much what's preached and believed. Uh, but I believe it now, uh, I did believe that once, but I, I believe now that that's a totally unbiblical uh, uh, interpretation of what the gospel is. That's only good news uh, 
to a few. It's not good news to the earth. It's not good news to the animals. Uh, it's not good news, uh, of course, to those who don't believe uh, the way we do. I don't know yet, but I really hope that the good news that is out there is good news because it's good news for everyone uh, and everything, uh, every beast uh, and every human. Uh, so now if I, if I rethink what the gospel is, what, what the good news is that Jesus came on earth to tell us, which is God is reconciling the earth back to himself by means of this kingdom of heaven that Jesus has proclaimed to you and that he invites you to partner in with him. Now I look at my relationship with nature, uh, whether it's uh, this river. I happen to be parked in front of a, a river. Uh, I drove on a dirt road next to a river. There's, you know, ducks flying over. I see some kites. Uh, kites are uh, birds of prey. Uh, not the uh, not the kind that you you know fly a kite, uh, but kites are birds of prey that are called tombi here in Japan. Uh, they're flying around. And the clouds are beautiful, and you know the water's flowing, and there's grasses and sand and river rocks and stones. And now I know that my relationship with all of this is important with those animals and and you know with this river and and of course with people. Uh, but with the entire creation, my relationship, uh, as I repair it, my relationship with nature becomes part of the mission of God. How do I reconcile uh, in my own life, day to day, nature back to God? How do I, how do I redeem it? Uh, and in doing so, of course, man, I, I include other people in nature, but in, in, in reclaiming the land for God and redeeming it back to him, uh, I am partnering in the gospel with God. Uh, that's the work of the Lord, redeeming, redeeming the earth. You know, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. And I read that differently now. That God made the world and thought it was good and, and he still loves the world. And the reason he sent Jesus is because he loved this world so much. And so it doesn't make you a left-wing liberal just because you want to have a have a, a smaller footprint on the earth that you want to you want to plant trees instead of cut them down that you want to uh, go bird watching instead of bird shooting. Uh, I'm not saying that hunting is is wrong. Okay, I want to I want to be careful there. Uh, but I think it would be wrong if you thought it was wrong. If if you're going against uh, the Holy Spirit in you telling you. Uh, that that is wrong or selfish, that you should not do it, then that's something that you need to, to work on. I, I believe that God's grace covers us 
in so many layers of love uh, and continually uh, forgives us of our sins. Uh, that there's literally nothing we can do that will separate us from our from His love. Uh, that His love is absolute. Uh, and so you know this mission of of the kingdom. You know, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, as, as it's called, uh, might just include the earth we live in, the environment uh, in which we we breathe and walk every day, the, the animals uh, that we contact or come in contact with, as much as people, or, or including people, uh, I would say. Of course, people uh, in our relationships are very important. Um, but this earth that God made is important to him. And he didn't make it just to destroy it. He said it was good, and I don't think his his opinion of it has changed. Because he knows in the end he's going to make it that way again. Uh, that he will reconcile it. Uh, and I can't wait to see that reconciled world uh, where uh, animals can finally again uh, exist in their proper relationship with man. That man and other men will love and respect each other. Uh, and it's not going to matter what color or what country or what language uh, or what sex we are, uh, we will uh, live in harmony with God, with nature, and with, with each other. And that is a, uh, I think, a fuller, more comprehensive, truer gospel. You know, the, the gospel, it says... Uh, yeah, God, thank you for saving me so you can take me to heaven and, and just, you know, blow the earth up. Uh, it's just not what I would call a complete gospel. Uh, now, of course, you can find evidence for that gospel if you want, if you, if you believe that's the case, which is really, uh, I think, more of a, you know, ancient Greece, uh, Greek philosophical position than it is a, a biblical position position. But if you presuppose that that is true, then sure, you can find evidence in the Bible that supports it. Uh, as you can find evidence in the Bible that, that slavery and, and killing babies is a good thing. You know, sure, you can find, you can make that case. It's not true, but you could make the case because you're presupposing uh, the um, the rule or the principle, uh, and then you just bend the Bible to fit it. And that's been the problem. This is like going off topic just a little bit, but that's the problem with the way we read the Bible. You know, we decide what's right and what's wrong and what's true and what's false. And then we read the Bible to back up what we already think. Well, how about this? How about we read the Bible with an open mind, without presuppositions, uh, and we 
open our eyes to, to the world and to nature and to the footprint of God uh, on the earth. Uh, and we allow those two things along with the Holy Spirit uh, to, to tell us what's true. You know, we don't presuppose what's true and then just find evidence to fit it. Why not read the Bible with an open mind? Learn about God. Learn about what God's doing in the world with an open mind and really try to get the big picture first. And as we get a truer picture of who God is, and I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but as we get a truer picture of who God is and just how much He loves us uh, and our relationship with Him grows, uh, we will more and more understand just how much he loves this earth and he doesn't mean to destroy it but he means to fix it he means to rid it of sin uh, and of darkness uh, of death uh, of sickness of sadness of loneliness he's going to fix all of that and including all of the the problems that man has brought on onto earth from mining and and from burning uh and even from <laughs> Everything else we've done, farming and driving and just all the all the pollution we brought on the earth, he'll fix that too. I don't pretend to know exactly what process he'll use to do that. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I challenge you to reconsider your relationship with nature, with, with animals. And if it starts with your pet, like it does with my little Jack, uh, great. Uh, if it starts with just a walk in the in the park and... And observing the you know the squirrels and the trees of the birds of the air or or the fish in the river uh, you know do that but uh, wherever you do start to start to you know take stock what is your relationship with nature and how do how do you see it uh, as fitting in with the gospel of the kingdom of God that Jesus came to preach um, just just in case you don't believe that there is such a gospel, a thing as the gospel of the kingdom, uh, I challenge you to read the, the synoptic uh, gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke especially, um, those three, the synoptic gospels, and just underline kingdom. Every time you, every time somebody talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven or, or something about the kingdom, underline those. I did that one day, and I came up with well over a hundred uh, different references to the kingdom or kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven uh, or even references to that same kingdom that are found in parables. Uh, the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom is a real thing. And basically what it says is uh, God will is now and will one day have his will done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, now, I, uh, sorry about the the uh, parking part of this uh, podcast, parking theology. I'll have to think about that someday. Doesn't quite sound right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to wrap this up, I think, right now. And hopefully we, we recorded this time. I still don't know why it recorded before. And this has turned into a bit longer of a podcast than normal. Uh, because I'm just sitting here without, uh, I have a little more time to do this. But. Anyway, we'll uh, let you guys go, and I uh, hope you uh, have uh, 
a great day and uh yeah just go out and enjoy this this already beautiful world that god has given us and just imagine how much more beautiful it will be uh though we probably can't do that um it's fun to try and and to figure out just uh, uh to to not figure out but just to learn a little bit more about god's intentions with the earth and uh if you want to find that in scripture, man, go ahead and do it. Or I can recommend uh, uh, some authors that that um, talk about that. One is uh, N.T. Wright or Tom Wright. You might know him. Uh, he's got wonderful books on the subject and he comes to that uh, topic quite often. Uh, the Gospel of the Kingdom is one of his major platforms. Uh, one of the things that he writes about most, in fact, I think it comes out in just about every book he, he's written that I've read and I haven't read that many he's just got too many books but anyway i'm gonna leave it there and uh, you guys have a wonderful day in the kingdom